So our scripture reading for today is going to be from Psalm chapter 90, which if you're using the Bible uh, that we provide on that chair right there, it's on page 465. Psalm 90, and if you're using one of our copies of the Word, it's on page 465. That's what the Word says. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet that span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the word of God. What's up, Port City family and friends? How y'all doing? Happy New Year again. We are so, so excited to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Ron, and I am one of the pastors here. And uh, guys, we're one week into the new year, and I hope your new year has gotten off to an incredible start. We're super excited about what God has in store uh, for you individually, but also for uh, us as a church. Uh, we are just a couple weeks away from uh, launching publicly as a church, and so we're, we're super excited. We are glad that you um, have joined us this morning. Hey, perspective is everything, isn't it? Uh, a couple months ago, I started working at Blair Middle School, and I'm teaching uh, pre-algebra eight, and uh, I love math. I love teaching uh, middle school students, uh, and so, but I ran into a problem pretty early on. I, I had a really difficult time getting my students to take notes, getting my students to do any math problems, and so I did what any really good teacher would do, is I said, what's wrong with you lazy bums, <laughs> right? Now, I didn't say that. I definitely thought that, but I didn't say that. Uh, now, instead, what I did was I began to try to reflect and adjust sort of my strategy, how I was going to reach my students. And, uh, you know, one day I was sitting down with a student, and I'll call this student JB. And I'm sitting with JB, and we are walk, working through, I'm trying to get her to, to work through this, this math problem. And I realized that this student really has no idea what she's doing. 
And I began to just kind of try to probe in a little bit more. And I saw uh, that this student really was struggling and was struggling to acknowledge that, uh, you know, that she had a hard time. And so then she said this. She said, you know what, Mr. Redmond, I, I really don't try because I don't believe I'm a good math student. See, the reality for her was she was in her mind, she was a bad math student. And so that prevented her from even attempting to do math. And the more and more I began to think about her story, I really saw that about 90% of my students would have, they came into my classroom with the same perspective that they were bad math students because they, uh, many of them had not passed math the previous year or the previous year before that. And so they came in with this perspective that they were really, really bad math students. And by the end of just challenging that, I showed her how to do this problem. And she was like, that's all? Like, that, that's, that's all you got to do? And I'm like, yes. And so she began to sort of change her perspective, change her, her mindset and her kind of attitude as she approached math. Now, again, that's an everyday <laughs> you know, occurrence where I'm trying to get my students to, uh, you know, to just believe that they can. And as I was thinking about that, you know, and this, this mindset, right, the reality is, is, is mindset, it really shapes what we do, right? What we believe about ourselves determines how we act. Our habits flow from our identity. What we think about ourselves really do, does determine what we do. In educational language, attitude determines altitude, right? Uh, and so, you know, see, I learned uh, in my classroom that I could be the greatest math teacher. I, I could do all the, the best strategies for reaching my kids. But at the end of the day, if my students really believed that they were not good math students or they didn't really want what I had for them, it didn't matter, right? Their, their perspective was, was everything, and so as we consider this new year, 2024, and the year ahead of us, uh, Psalm chapter 90 that we just read and sang a, a moment ago uh, is really a great prayer for us individually and for us corporately as, as a church. What we're going to see as we relook at Psalm 90 is we're going to see some realities about God. Then we're going to see some realities about man, about humanity, about ourselves. And then we are going to see how we are to pray and then live our lives in light of those realities. And so the main idea uh, for our time together is for us to live wisely by living with an eternal perspective. To live wisely by living with an eternal perspective. For you Bible trivia folks out there, I got two fun facts about Psalm 90 before we dive in. Psalm 90 is the only psalm uh, written by Moses, and it is also, because of that, it is the first psalm that was, that was ever written. Uh, and so, you're welcome. Uh, it is widely accepted that, you know, the, the context, the backdrop of this psalm is kind of toward the end of Moses's life where he and the people of Israel have wandered in the, the wilderness for, for 40 years. And uh, obviously that time period was marked by a lot of discouragement, a lot of distress, a lot of difficulty. Uh, and so 
as we consider Moses' reflections, there's going to be a lot for us here. But I do want to go back right at the beginning of the psalm. It says, uh, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says about Moses. He says, Moses was a man of God and God's man, chosen of God, inspired of God, and honored of God, and faithful to God in all his house. He well deserved the name uh, that is given to him here. And so we're going to walk through the psalm again. I'm going to pretty much go verse through verse, and then I'll chunk uh, a couple verses toward the end. And hopefully what we'll see is how we live wisely in light of the brevity of, God, uh, of life uh, and how we you know, live with eternity in mind. So verse 1 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. So when I read that and consider the context that I just told you, this is toward the end of Moses' life after they have walked and in, in, been in the wilderness, right? And for Moses to be able to say, God, you have been my dwelling place is pretty remarkable, right? Because for nearly decades, that Moses, they've been wandering around and they've not had a physical dwelling place. They've been without a permanent home. They've been nomads. They've been going from place to place. But yet Moses can say with confidence that God has been his dwelling place. See, for Moses, he did not allow his circumstances to to, to determine who God was. Instead, he allowed who God was to determine his circumstances. And so, despite the time that he is spent in the wilderness, he begins to recount and to recall and to say things about who God is. Moses had a big view of God. He says he's been our dwelling place in all generations. And before I get going, if you are a believer today, Christian, God is your dwelling place. Our, our lives, as Colossians 3 says, is hidden in Christ. And so he is your dwelling place today. Verse 2, he says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Guys, so often we are tempted to start with ourselves, right? This is a new year. We have been thinking about reflecting on ourselves. Moses reminds the people of Israel and us by listening and reading the psalm that everything starts with God. Moses speaks to God's eternality. Before the mountains were, you were. Moses is also speaking to the fact that God is unchanging. He's always been. And guys, that is really hard for us to really appreciate because we live in a world where everything is changing, right? The things that we thought we could hang our hat on is like, oh, don't, don't do that. Like, don't eat that. That got, you know, um, you know, there's things that are constantly changing w- with more information, right? With new technology, all, all of this. But Moses is saying that God is He's everlasting to everlasting. He is unchanging. As we get into verse 3, Moses began to build a stark contrast between God and 
humanity. He says in verse 3, you return man to dust and to say, return, O children of man, right? Uh, Tanner said it earlier, we were born of dust, right? As Psalm 103 also says, right? Genesis 2, 7, right? Uh, God created us. He formed us from dust. And Moses is saying our final destination is back to the dust. The reality is death is the great equalizer, right? The, the, the death rate in America is 100%. We all going to die one day, right? Uh, doesn't matter who you are, where you are, rich or poor, famous or, or, or not, intelligent, illiterate, a criminal, humanitarian, death will find you. Happy New Year, uh, right? <laughs> all of us, right, we're going to end up there, Moses tells us. Verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. What is Moses saying? He's saying, listen, even if we lived a, a thousand years, it would be like a day in God's sight, right? Now, we're not going to live a thousand years, so spoiler alert, <laughs> all right? Uh, but even if we were, it would be gone just like that. And, you know, when we think about this season, right, many times we just set goals and, and, and even live like we're going to live forever, yeah. right? And that is part of what this psalm is trying to shake us up and rattle the cage and sober us up to. It's like, no, no, you're not. You, you, you're not going to live forever. You know, he goes on. Uh, and again, this, this, should, this should humble us, right? He goes on to say and to describe not only that are we not going to live forever, but how brief our time is. In verse 5, it says, you sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. So again, he uses these three metaphors to describe just how brief life really is, right? Flood being swept away. Here is gone. Dream, right? No, if you've ever laid down to go to sleep and woken up and it's like, the night's over already? Like, I got to get up and go to work? <laughs> like, that's, that's how brief our lives can be like, or is like, really, to God. Grass uh, that, that is, you know, in the spring grows up with a lot of vitality. Strong, luscious, green grass. Go outside right now, it's dead. It's withering. It's been a few months. So again, Moses is just setting up this contrast. God is eternal. God is unchanging. God is, you know, the, the, the time in his sight is, 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 is like a day to, to man's the lifetime, right? God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's infinite where we're finite. He's immortal while we're mortal, Right? And so, again, he's stressing this to get the people to, you know, to believe in us to, to, that life is short. And all throughout Scripture, we could go to different places and see this also, uh, you know, resonating that life is, is like a mist. The more, the more and more you live, the older you get, the more you kind of see that and, and become to understand that life is passing quickly, right? I look at my my kids, and, and I'm like, just yesterday, you were, couldn't walk. Now you telling me what to do. 
Again, we see several things about God's character. Let's continue on. The next few verses, again, they, they, do, they get a little dark, right? We are talking about death and, and some other things. But what, what I want you to hear is, is and I also think the, these next verses are going to answer the question, why? Like, maybe you're thinking, like, what, God, why does it have to be that way? Like, why do we have to die? Why is it that we only get 70 or 80 years if we are strong and eat good and work out? Uh, you know, um, like, why, God? Well, verses 7 through 11 are, are going to give us an answer. For verse 7, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our lives are 70 or even by, by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Guys, the reality is, is that, you know, God said, if you, he gave Adam and Eve a command, and he said, if surely you do not obey this command, you will die. And so death entered the world as a result of disobedience, as a result of rebellion. And one of the main ways we see God's wrath and his anger is in the death of man and the mortality of our lives, or the, brev- the brevity of our, our lives, right? And, and guys, this wrath is deserved, it is deserved. It is just, right? And, and, and as we hear this, right, we should want this to be true, even though it feels hard to receive. In, in other words, we would want to serve, we should want to serve a God who sees wrongdoing and actually deals with it and doesn't turn a blind eye to it. We, we should want to... Uh, serve a God who's not indifferent to, uh, to, to, to man's sin and rebellion, but rather he does uh, something about it, and he does, and he has. And, and we're going to talk more about that, but there is this, this reality that our sin is what has caused this death, this decay, this brokenness. And it was not what God intended but yet it is what happened and what, and God had a plan to respond, to redeem it. Let's continue on. Verses uh, 12 through 17, we'll finish the psalm. And, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Make us glad. Oh, sorry, verse 16. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands 
establish the work of our hands. Moses, he's reiterating a point that he just made, right? He's, he's telling us that life is short, it is brief, so therefore we should live with intention, we should learn to number our days, right? And, and so when we live with wisdom, right, as we it says so that we would have wisdom, right? When we live with the wisdom that makes the most of our time, what we begin to do is our, our priorities begin to shift. And, and the things that we are focusing on begins to change in light of our reality, in light of, you know, what, what God is, uh, who God is to us. And, and friends, I'm going to talk more about this wisdom that's available to us. But before I talk about it, guys, we, we really do need it. We desperately need wisdom because without it, we're just prone to, to live the opposite of wise, which is foolish. That's what we're prone to do. We will act foolishly when we build a name for ourselves as we are seeking to climb the ladder of success. Or, or we're trying to secure material possession after material possession for people to accept us. We will act foolishly when we only focus on giving our children everything they want, but neglecting to give them the one thing that matters, which is wisdom that knows that life is not all about accumulating stuff, but it's about investing in eternity. We act foolish when we, when we don't, when we remove God and we just live for ourselves, simply put. When we don't acknowledge him, when we live to satisfy ourselves rather than to be satisfied by God. And guys, again, we desperately need his wisdom. And so how do we? How do we have wisdom? How do we have this perspective well, I, I think it is connected to the point that he made earlier, which is understand how brief your life is and to live with eternity in mind, not seeking to get the most of today. And we live when we have the perspective that we have a need for mercy, right? Moses prayed, Lord, have pity on us. Don't leave us in our current situation. When we understand our need for mercy, we begin to ask God for it. We begin to depend on it. But if we don't think that there's nothing wrong with us, then one, we won't ask God. Two, we're going to go around under the facade of everything's good. We, we're not going to be willing to maybe you know, be vulnerable to our brother and our sister and confess what's wrong because we got to maintain this, this image that we have it all together, we have a need. And when we understand our need for his mercy, again, it allows us to live true and authentic lives and we stumble forward and we make mistakes, but we're willing to ask for help. Ask, to, ask God and our brothers and sisters. Listen, when we have uh, this perspective we live with wisdom when we have this perspective that only God can satisfy us. Right? Again, this is what Moses prays 
in light of what he understands about himself and about God. He says, God, satisfy us with your steadfast love. Right. When the Lord refreshes us with his presence, it doesn't matter what man does, what happens to us, what diagnosis we get, what person, what somebody has said to us. We can still have our joy and nobody can take it. We can have confidence. We can rest in that. God's love helps us to look at our circumstances and say, and, and interpret them in light of who he is, rather than allowing our circumstances to control us. And so what does it look like for us to have prayers that say, God, satisfy us? Well, maybe when we are feeling lazy or not wanting to do, that's me, should have asked God, Lord, help me to see you as the treasure that you really are. Help fascinate me. If we're bored and distracted, God, be our delight and captivate us. Because it's not that you're not those things. Help me to see you as you truly are, because you are those things. When we're lonely and, and, and feeling miserable, and we can ask God to comfort us, to be with us. Because only he can satisfy us. Because, guys, there's nothing else that will. There's nothing else that will. Many and that, that is true for many of us who, who, who know Christ and have believed. We, we understand. We've chased things. And, and sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we begin to chase things and we forget. And Moses is saying, hey, we, we live wise lives. We live with wisdom when we understand that nothing will satisfy us. So satisfy us, Lord. When we see our need for God's blessing, for favor, for gladness, for joy. You know, again, consider the, the end of the verse. He says, let your work be shown. Right? Establish the work of our hands. Right? He, he understands, Moses understands that God, he needs God to move. Right? So for the things in his, you know, his life, he understands that without God's hand, without God's provision... He's not going to have what he needs. And so as we kind of work toward really a close, how do we, right? I've tried to set up, again, once we understand some things about us, we understand some things about ourselves and we begin to live with wisdom. Um, I do think the key for unlocking all of this and getting the, 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 the life uh, for this type of, or the, the strength for this type of life really does come from uh, the, the, the two-word phrase, steadfast love. It says, satisfy us uh, in the morning with your steadfast love. And guys, this speaks to God's covenant with us. That, yes, our sin deserved death. But he made a way. And it is his steadfast love that pursues us, that sends Jesus for us. If it wasn't for his steadfast love, we would still be in verses 7 and 9. Under his wrath, with no hope. If God doesn't allow 
His steadfast love, we are, we, we should be terrified of death because we're going to be eternally separated from him. But God's wrath and his anger, it was poured out on Jesus so that our sins would be removed. And so that when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. And this is the great exchange. It's, it reverses everything. It changes everything. And this is crucial for us to live with thin wisdom. Because if not, then all we're going to do is we're going to keep maybe trying to save ourselves. We're going to keep trying to live right. We're going to keep trying to appease God. We're going to keep trying to satisfy ourselves. We're going to keep trying to pursue things as if they're God when they're not. But when we understand that we can receive, one, once we understand that God has demonstrated his love for us in Christ, we don't have to wonder. All we have to do is receive his, his life through his death on the cross. And so Romans 5, 6 and 8, 6 through 8, it says, For while we were weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, our death, he handled. Our death, death by another. Our life is found in the life of another. In Christ, he entered he entered our death, he entered our rebellion, he entered our sin, our suffering, and he's taken it upon ourselves. And when we turn to him as Savior and receive the free gift, we don't have to fear death, but we can rest in God's provision. And also in knowing that he's also coming again, that this life is not our home. And this begins to shape how we live. Our lives should flow from this identity, being ones who have been rescued by his steadfast love. And so my question to you is, have you received his steadfast love today? Have you, have you received it? Have you placed your faith in it? Have you held on to it? Have you trusted in it? Because that's all it takes to be saved from the wrath of God. Uh, acknowledging that you are a sinner, that you're in need of a Savior, and confessing Him as Lord, receiving the gift, not earning it, not trying to be better this new year. Although, yes, God wants us, you know, there's things that He has for us, but it is not earning. It is not earning. And so, there's a couple, you know, applications that we can take. Again, a couple of things we can do. We can ask for wisdom. We need to ask for wisdom. I know there's things that you want maybe to see in your life, and, and those things are likely good things. Ask God for the wisdom to discern what, what you should be giving your time to. Help you to live with the eternity in mind. Thank God. We can, we can thank God for his mercy. He's displayed it. He's poured it out. He's shown us. We can pray that he helps us to make the most of our days. Not, not living like we will live forever, but living in light of the reality that we do have a short stint. And, and we have an opportunity to 
maximize it for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of ourselves. See, again, most people, we, we do look to the new year with a lot of hope and great expectation. But guys, what if this year turns out to be the hardest year of your life? What if you get a, a diagnosis from a loved one? What if you, no, we've been talking about death. What, what if, if someone close to you? Guys, we can enter into 2024 confidently, with confidence, if we know and rest in the eternal God, the unchanging God, the sovereign God. And we can have confidence that in regardless of what's going on around us, those things won't, he does not change. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to sustain us. Do want to end with a a quick little story. You know, I was prepping for this message, and if I'm being honest, this is a bit of a confession. I got sidetracked by something that blew up the internet. Maybe you saw it. There was a comedian. Um, and he, he went on a show, and he was just talking about um, how another comedian had stole his jokes, right? And I, you know, again, I'm not proud to admit I should have been preparing. I spent probably three hours watching this thing. It was that long. Um, but he said this, and this is why I bring it up. He, he said this. He said, if you decided today that you would live like every day was your last, it'll change how you live forever. He says, if you, if you look around and just like, I might not make it, you know, like I, I might not wake up. Like, is, like did, I, did I do everything? If you live with that type of mindset, it will change your entire life. Right. Now, I obviously don't want to end on a quote from a comedian, so let me redeem it by quoting the philosopher and preacher, Jonathan Edwards. He says, he says, Lord, step eternity on my eyeballs, is what he said. What he means is, God, help me not just look at the current circumstances, not just look at my life as it is right now, but let me look, one, to you to consider who you are, your character, and let me live, and let me live in light of that. Let me live in light of your eternity. Let's pray. Father, we, God, we, we thank you. God, as I consider how great you are, God, that you are eternal God that you were there from the very beginning and you are from everlasting to everlasting like the psalmist I say what is man that you're mindful of us God that you see us God I, I thank you that despite my sin despite my rebellion despite all the ways that I prioritize other things God, you have steadfast love towards me and that you pursue me and you have made a way for me to be 
rescued from my sin and from my rebellion. And God, I truly want this, this year to be the best year for every person under the sound of my voice. And I know that will happen if their trust is in you. If we are satisfied in you, there is nothing that 2024 could bring. Joys, disappointments. God, with you as our strength, God, we can live with hope and confidence. And God, we can, as ones who have received the steadfast love, be ones who extend that love to our neighbors. So God, transform us, make us into a people who find our satisfaction and our delight with you, in you, and who live with an eternal perspective. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.